Who needs a cigar? This is Jacob Ross with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. You're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 107 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, part of the Herpeticulture Network. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I am Phil Wolf of the Nefers Initiative. And we are back another week, another episode, but not just another show, because Terry Burwell is here with us this evening. Oh, yeah. Very exciting, because Terry's got Scope. all the cool stuff. Legit. How goes it, Terry? Man, I'm having, I'm having a good time. Great. J- just as a disclaimer for folks... Terry, like, we're having audio issues, so it's kind of hard for Terry to hear me. So if I have to repeat myself or Phil has to, like, translate for me, that's what's going to happen. So, but nonetheless. I'm sure we'll be good. I think we'll be all right. Ugh. But this is, um, this show's brought to you by Steve Snakeshuary and Sean at MP Cages and Exotics. So whether you need hot sauce, whether you need a rack, whether you need cages, custom jobs, uh, and you know, you're putting together a rack and you got some tacos or something and you're like, man, I really wish I had some hot sauce. If you were smart, you would have ordered some of that hot sauce, the venom hot sauce from Steve Snakeshuary. All the proceeds from these purchases go to help Steve, uh, do educational talks for, uh, various public events, uh, relocate and rescue various snakes in the greater Louisiana area. So... Check both of them out. They're good people. And we are proud to say that they are a sponsor of this podcast and have been for some time. So, other than that, love it. Phil, what's new? Oh, um, not too much. I, uh, I'm slowly acclimating my Gila monsters to the seasonal differences of South Florida. Um, my chiller is too small and it won't maintain anything warmer than 49 degrees so i've got things on timers and i've jerry-rigged a ve 100 to basically yell at me if it gets too cold and uh yeah i'm crossing my fingers we're supposed to get a cold snap in south florida this week so hopefully i can you know turn off the heat emitters or whatever and and just let them be chill and literally pun intended and uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, side note, what, what uh, are you using? Who, uh, <laughs> well, I bought a wine cooler that was supposed mm-hmm. to be like variable to maintain between forty-two and like sixty-four. So I have it cranked all the way up to sixty-four, and it's just it won't get warmer than forty-nine. So I think it's because the room's too warm, and I think it wants to like compensate. But I'm tinkering with it. I still got some time, so. But yeah, other than that, um, same old. Well, mind you, it's a wine cooler, not a Gila cooler. Yeah, I know. Meanwhile, Henry is sending me images of like converted refrigerators with like stacks of rattlesnakes inside them. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to you know, smuggle a, a, an old junker refrigerator into my apartment. My neighbors are gonna be like, man, you must be really hungry this year. I mean, if you got room so, for it, why not? 
Well, I, mean, I don't. It's an apartment, you know. So. So. Find a you can. Just, you get a chest freezer. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I was looking at Home Depot has like these chest coolers for I guess if you're having like catering or parties or something. And I was thinking about this is crazy. There's no condensers in the lid. So I was going to take like a doorknob bit and just like drill holes in the lid and just pour sand inside it and like let it be. And everyone basically told me, no, that's a horrible idea because of air circulation. And, you know, it's going to with my luck, the thing will freeze over and the coils will bust and the lizards will be sweating. Who knows? So we didn't do that this year, but I'm confident that I can get it going. So we'll see. When I lived in Austin, I, uh, I brewmated my run around black milk snake best freezer outside and the plan was to just put them out there with uh with heat so i put a uh, heat cable in the bottom on a thermostat and in december it was 95 degrees in austin without any heat like it like that was the temperature outdoors and uh so i actually had to plug the freezer also into the herp stat and i just created a a window where the freezer would turn on if it was above 60 and the heater would turn on if it was below 50. And so it stayed right in there at 55. It worked really well. That's brilliant. And you and I are definitely going to talk about that later off air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Other than that, I mean, Terry, what's, what's going on with you? You got anything, uh, happening this year as far as readings and whatnot? Yeah, man, I'm I'm doing more new stuff this year than than I have in a really really long time. Um, that I'm, I'm really excited about. I've, I'm doing um, Sumatran short tails. I have a pair of those, and uh, I've already seen locks um, with them. Uh, Baron's racers. I've started to pair, and I've seen um, my male was locked with my female for for one of the females for a long time, and then the other one. I'm looking at them right now. They're they're getting acquainted, but I haven't seen anything for sure. Um, uh, what else am I trying to do? Ball pythons. I actually got ball pythons this year. I'm trying those. I'm pretty excited about that. I felt follicles in, in some of them. Uh, Sabu pythons. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so a buddy of mine had... Uh, had some sabu pythons, had them for like a decade, and uh, said, "Hey, you know, do you mind if do you mind if I try to if I try to breed them? No, who knows? Maybe the the change of location will have some success." And he's, "Yeah, absolutely." So, so I have a trio of those, and uh, I'm excited about those. Um, and then this will be the second the second attempt, uh, second year for diamond pythons. I gave them last season off. And, and they went for me the year before, um, which was the first time I tried them. And that was the year where, so I did maternal incubation on the first clutch mm-hmm. and I killed them with, uh, with too much water. And then the second clutch hatched and then immediately escaped in my garage. And so I had to find oh, man. them all in my garage. Yes. I think we're all a huge fan of that story. Yeah. 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 So I'm definitely really, do it a couple of times. Yeah, so I'm 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 super pumped to uh, to do diamonds again. Um, really excited because that one female, um, I haven't seen eggs from her, you know, because they all died. And the other female, the that whole clutch was super yellow. Some of those babies were just outstanding. 
um, including two reduced patterns that, that hatched out of that, that clutch. Well, the other female and male are brighter adults. They're brighter than the, the ones that, um, that hatch successfully. So I'm really curious to see what happens um, from that pairing. And mm-hmm. then probably the most exciting pairing I have, I don't know if it'll happen, but um, one of my annulated boa offspring from 2016, I'm pairing him back with his mother. And uh, it's a very high white individual. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping that we can uh, really capitalize on that white and maybe get some, you know, pied, that, calico, yeah, that'd be awesome. Annulated. Yeah. How have those compared? Have you kept other Corrales? I haven't. No, those are the only Corrales oh, okay. I've, I've I kept. Say, everyone yeah. I've talked to seems to be pretty happy with them. Like those are, for the most part, a little much more mellow than you know your Hortulanus or your Caninus or whatever. Super, yeah, super, super mellow. Like, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. So, I mean, if you want to handle them, they're really easy to handle, really easy to work with. Um, but um, the bad part is you, you don't see them very often, you know, unless you're in your room at night, they're yeah. they're hiding in the daytime. So, but um, I'd like to have more experience with with Corallus. So, if anybody wants to donate some uh, some caninus, that would be really really nice. I will accept all donations of Amazon tree bows. <laughs> that's that's actually bows. fantastic. Emerald tree bows, especially. <laughs> yeah. So the like. I the, hope someone is listening and they they can do that. Yeah. The key word of this episode is, di- that, is uh, diversity, because Terry has, as you can tell, a very diverse collection. So a lot of this episode will sort of pontificate upon that. Love it. Hello? Is he still there? Did we lose him? No. We're there? Okay. Cutting it out? I'm writing it down. Boop, boop. All right. I heard you, Justin, pretty well, uh, but it wasn't like, it wasn't boisterous or anything, but I heard you, so. Oh, okay. What what were you gonna say, Phil? No, I don't. I don't remember at this point. Oh, but I think Terry was gonna say something because I don't think he heard you start to talk. Terry. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, what were you gonna say before I went into that? Uh, I don't know, but you said diverse. Uh, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's a kind way of saying it. Some people might say ADD uh, or uncommitted, <laughs> <laughs> afraid of commitment. You know. But, uh... Well, no, no man. I, I just it's... know that. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. We wanted to we wanted to touch base with you in terms of like, because we both Justin and I, as well as many of our friends, we we try and have diverse collections because it's so hard to focus on just one thing. I mean, we all have our one thing that we love or the two things that we really really would want to work on, but all of us have diverse collections, but. You're like the Mac Daddy of diversity in terms of a good, well-rounded snake collection, you know. So we definitely want to talk to you about that, and how to how you keep things the way that you do. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, and at some point, I'm going to pick your brain about Angolans and Ruffies, and, and we're going to drool a little bit through the phone. For sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, bring it on. Yeah, it's just, I mean, like like Phil said, we, you know, a lot of us have what I would consider fairly diverse collections, um, you know, but you you just, I don't know what it is. I don't, it's, maybe it's the fact that you've been successful with, with a pretty good chunk of the species that you're keeping. You know, a lot of people, they'll just have maybe a pair or something and maybe they'll pair it once or twice and then, you know, they, they either just hold on to it and have it or they end up selling it and getting out of that, that particular project, but, um, I don't know. It's just like every you're kind of like Rob Stone. Like every time you do a post about something, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that he has those, and it's just oh, like that on repeat. <laughs> that's that's the compliment of all compliments, right there. Rob Stone uh, is my hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours and mine. Yours and mine both. Yeah. We're gonna have those t-shirts made. We are gonna get those t-shirts made. Rob Stone is my hero t-shirt. Yeah, legit. <laughs> Dude, we one to, of, one of the. the when you, you know like a silhouette like, of his face. <laughs> yeah. You know how like uh uh I don't know if you guys are the same, but I but I, I assume you are. I have just a series of like of t shirts in rotation, right? Like I've got a Carpet Fest t shirt, got 100%. Uh, yeah, Parker Python's t shirt, right? Like well I've got a um I got a t shirt that Rob sent um of Andy Griff. It's the silhouette of Andy Griff in because of um uh, and it's got the, the show date that Owen kept calling Matlots Python, Matlots, Matlots Python, <laughs> Matlock, Matlock's Python. Yeah, Matlots, Matlots, Matlots. I'm not even sure which one is right, but uh, it's my favorite shirt, man. I wear that all the time, <laughs> all the time. Nice. And uh, nice. and I pulled both times I pulled Rustgale Python eggs. I was wearing that shirt, and so I make sure I keep wearing. It's a good luck charm, man. Most yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it was going to yeah. be either Rob Stone is my hero or I was going to have one where it says Rob Stone in the streets and then on the bag it says Bob Rock in the sheets. <laughs> but I feel I like... I never even knew what he looked like until the holiday show. Yeah, <laughs> like that one. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the Rob Stone is my hero one would probably be a little more popular, but the other one made me laugh, so... I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people in our daily lives that aren't into herpetoculture, they'd be like, "Who's Rob Stone?" I'd be like, like "Let you me need to tell look him you." Right That's now. right. Let me yeah. sit down and yeah. tell you the tale yeah. of Rob Stone. Legit. <laughs> I still, to this day, one of my one of my favorite messages I've ever gotten on Facebook was Rob Stone messaged me on, on Messenger and says, "I went to go find a message of yours and realized that we weren't Facebook friends. How is this already possible?" <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that, to that day, like it's awesome, man, because he's he's our hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just—I yeah. mean, I remember when we we had him on the first, maybe the, the most recent time we had him on the show. We were talking, you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, what do you want to talk about?" And I was like, "This and this and this." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I've had those." And then he sent me literally like three hundred pictures, and he's like, "Yeah, and I've kept mm-hmm. these, and I've kept these, and I've kept these." And I'm like, "Good God, dude!" It's like he's not even—I mean. Yeah. He's a little older than Phil. Like he's really not even that old, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, but he's done so much in that in, in what I would consider a short amount of time. It's just it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny if you have a if you have a snake, like I mean, 
it's, it's no exaggeration that um, uh, he basically told me where my rough skill Python came from, you know? <laughs> you know, really? like, like it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, really. The Rain Man I, had a perfect illustration. I told him uh, I found I have a, a Pro Exotics temp gun that I bought like oh fifth, nice the ones yeah, that like came in like the metal case. Ago. No, it's like a. It almost looks like um, how do I phrase it? It's like a giant, or what would be a giant circular garage door clicker, and it has like a little yep. LCD screen on it. Yeah, and it's not illuminated. It's not backlit or anything. It has a laser pointer built in. But I remember I paid like twenty bucks for it like fifteen years ago. And I've never changed the battery, and it still holds true. <laughs> oh, uh, they don't make nice. them like that anymore. They don't. I was like, I know yeah. the Rubstone put this in a box and shipped it to wherever pet store I bought it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, Pro awesome Exotics guy. was uh, Pro Exotics was like my local um, reptile store because I live in Wyoming, and I say local, it was five hours away. <laughs> I was going to uh, say anything local in Wyoming means it's a drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh so yeah man i got i got um i got burmese pythons from pro exotics and, and uh i got some yeah, i think i got like a high yellow leopard gecko from pro exotics and i got a uh a trio of ball pythons that died like a month later <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, like i don't know if they were bush babies like in hindsight like i don't know if they were bush babies or not but uh I do remember the mail was not, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look too good. Uh, I even bought a, a vision cage. I drove down there one time and I got a vision cage and, uh, uh, yeah, but I just, I, 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 I felt like they were my local shop, you know, cause I'd read about yeah. Jack, Robin, and I just, I was always sending them self-addressed stamped envelopes for their, their price list. What was the and it's so funny because because Chad would say like they would get people that would come in to work at the shop and uh, it was really kind of a uh, a pain because people just wanted to talk about football or they wanted to work there because of his football career yeah and I was like I care less about your football career like I don't <laughs> care at all but like tell me about your trip to Indonesia you know that's what I want to know about yeah man I, I remember being a kid and like cruising the website back in the day and like looking at all the different you know different Gila's they had and like those Utah mm. pinks and stuff. And yeah. like, that was the goal, you know, like one day yeah. it was like, I want to have specimens that are either from pro exotics or look like pro exotics. Cause like they were like the Gila guys in my eyes, you know? I mean, they so, were the guys for a lot awesome. of stuff, man. Like a lot of those yeah. bamboo rats and rhino rats and. Oh yeah. You know, but we got to go back to Terry. Cause I feel like we're, we're we took a departure because yeah. of Rob. <laughs> It's easy to do, you know, you just go on all it day about that guy. Uh, but, I mean, going back to sort of, you know, your your early days, uh, like, what was the first species that got you into into herps? I mean, I mean, if you want to go all the way back, it was a tiger salamander um, in a Cool Whip container covered in mud that my, my older sister found in her basement and brought to me. And, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, I mean, that's, that's literally the first herp that I can that I can think of, and that's the the first pet herp that I ever had. Had that tiger salamander for years, and um, um, but in terms of um, like 
wanting to keep a little bit more seriously or yeah. wanting to breed or, or, or something like that. Um, I remember I bought the, um, how to breed bearded, uh, bearded dragons, VHS from, <laughs> uh, from, from a reptiles magazine, uh, ad. <clears throat> I don't remember if it was Bob Mayhew or, or who the guy was in the, in the video, but yeah, I bought that and I was like, man, I'm going to be this big time, uh, bearded dragon breeder. I was in eighth grade. And my, my dad and I, we built a shed out in the backyard. It was a 20 by 12 shed, heated, insulated. And uh, we built it to the size that like I could put stock tanks inside the mm-hmm. the, shed, the shed and like, it'd all be great. And um, to this day, I've never owned a bearded dragon. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I had, that's yeah, amazing. I had, <laughs> I had all the, I had like the Noah's Ark collection, right? Like I had green iguanas and, and um anoles and toke geckos and like an albino california king snake that the pet store told me was a corn snake and you know i just had like a a, a bunch of just stuff that didn't make Island sense of misfits. And, yeah and i and i had moved all of that stuff out to the shed and uh and it it, it all died in in like a month after it got cold so we had a we had a baseboard heater and the thermostat you know like it wasn't on like a legit thermostat and it just it just didn't work so everything went downhill pretty quick and i'd got out and gotten out of reptiles for a while and then when i got back into it um i wanted to get carpet pythons and so i think that was kind of when um jungles were kind of getting popular it's probably when jungle was on the was on the cover reptiles Mm -hmm. magazine we're talking about a grade you know jungle carpets and so I was gonna get I was gonna get carpet pythons, and I started building cages um, in our garage. And my dad was a, a carpenter, and so he was always helping me or or encouraging me to build stuff. And and so I was building cages, and I built these cages. And I was like, these are huge. I could put Burmese pythons in these. <laughs> and it was so I I went out and bought Burmese pythons instead of carpet pythons. Like the the worst you know like impulse thing that you could do, but. Um, but they were probably the best pet snakes I've ever had in my life. So uh, that would have been, oh man, uh, 1999, I think. I was gonna and, say you don't you don't have to say it if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1999. And I bought because um, I was a, I was a, it was in between my sophomore and junior year of high school, and I bought a albino male and a labyrinth female. And uh, anyway, I had those snakes for for a long time and uh and i say i was ahead of my i was ahead of my time because it's still hard to find albino labyrinths today it's hard just to find out labyrinths today you know but um i just kept those two snakes for like eight years and i didn't have anything else and when what surprises me more than anything is that i didn't even have a desire to have anything else you know like i didn't feel like i was lacking which is which is which is crazy to believe because right now i'm in a room with between i don't know 80 ish animals Mm -hmm. and all i can think about is what's next what's next what else can i get you know i want more and uh yeah but at that well i mean when you're at that age i mean at that age you have a lot of other things in your mind you know what i mean (laughs) i had one thing on my mind if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) don't we all yeah yeah uh and that is but you're right (laughs) <laughs> uh but you're right and uh 
Um, and, and I wonder too. So they, I, I bred them one year and, uh, most of the clutch was infertile, but she did have a couple fertile eggs and, and I, I just baked them in a homemade incubator with a, uh, aquarium heater, uh, um, without a thermostat, just baked them. And so it didn't work, but I keep wondering, like, how would my life have been different if I'd seen the magic, you know, of snakes hatching out of eggs back then Yeah. instead of, um, and I think the, I think, I think I didn't hatch a snake out until. 2013 2014 i think yeah wow nice so, so how do you evolve from berms into you know the crazy array of what you have now <clears throat> um well I, I i spent a long time with without any animals and um after college i uh i went to africa for a for an internship and uh the my albino had died and so i still had my i still had the the female berm and um i'd had various people watch them <clears throat> um when i was traveling i studied abroad in costa rica and my my roommates watched them and then i um i went to puerto rico for a semester and i had a a, a teacher um in my hometown watch them and then I went to Africa for, for four months after I graduated and my, my parents watched them. My mom really watched them. And where in Africa, uh, equatorial Guinea. It's just, um, it's in between Cameroon and Gabon, uh, in Western Africa, just under the, it's, it's about the size of like, very cool. Yeah. It's a really small country, but I was there for, uh, for several months. And then when I came back, I was like, I want to travel around the world. I want to leave for over a year. And my parents were like, we're not going to watch your snake for over a year. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So, so I ended up giving it to, um, to the biology teacher that had watched it previously. And uh, Dan McCarron is his name. He was actually the educational coordinator of the Vivarium magazine back when that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, so I was gone for, I was gone for several years and, and just didn't have any snakes. And, and then, um, you know, after I got home, I decided like I wanted to, to, uh, to work with snakes and I had an opportunity to go volunteer in Peru in the Amazon for this, um, uh, this like research project and, uh, that a guy was doing. And so I went down there and that was the first time that I'd been around, um, like people that knew the Latin names of snakes, you know, and like, were really interested in it yeah. and, and, and it's like I had been on a lot of rainforest trips. You know, I mean, I studied abroad in Costa Rica. I went to Costa Rica in high school. You know, I've, I've, I've been to the forest in Borneo and Australia, and I've been on all these, like, treks. And and a guy in Borneo, he was really funny. He said, uh, he said, you go on these trips, and you know what you see? You see sticks and mud. You just see sticks and mud. And he said, you really got to spend time if you want to see something, you know. And uh, and in in the Amazon – I didn't see any snakes for 10 days and I was so mad. I was so mad. Like yeah. every day that went by and I didn't see a snake. Cause you think you're like, they should be you everywhere. Think they're just going to be everywhere, yeah. you know? And, and at the time my, uh, my parents had moved to Kansas. I was in Kansas and that's when I really got into field herping. And it was like, you want to go field herping. You, you, you go road cruising, 
or you you flip you know artificial cover you flip boards and tan and stuff mm -hmm. well now i find myself in the middle of the peruvian amazon there are no roads and there there's no trash you know like there's you know it's like like where are the snakes you <laughs> where's know? all the plywood and uh, an old carpet yeah, it was, that it someone was left really overwhelmed and but the 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 11th day the night of the 11th day we went on a trek and we found we found a um a cat-eyed snake um left awesome. and we awesome. found a, a twin-lined palm viper um, Ooh, that's one of my favorites and it was like it was so cool and from that day on i was there for between five and six weeks from that day on we found between one and four snakes every single day and so so that was that just solidified like um like hey there's other people out there like me you yeah. know i didn't grow up with anybody that 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 was into reptiles or anything like that none of my friends were and uh so when i got back to to the states i was like i want to look for a job like i want to work with animals and so i went to kentucky reptile zoo i did an internship at the kentucky reptile zoo and um the you know the first hour i'm there um i'm talking to jim harrison and uh, he's he's like hey you know come with me and we go into one of the cobra rooms and it's just floor to ceiling cobras and he's he's like this is every day to him you know this is not different this is normal to him mm -hmm. and to me it was like a dream like a dream materialized i was like i i found it i've arrived you know it's like this is amazing and uh and so that that experience being around you know like-minded people um and and being around just so many animals and uh so many animals you couldn't touch uh um and they, they did have a, a good they had a decent non-venomous um collection you know they had giants um with like argentine boas and anacondas and they had a burmese python and a retic and and then they had uh some cool like North American stuff like rosy boas and rat snakes and stuff like that. So um, that was the first time I actually successfully bred snakes is because anything that I could pair up, I paired up. So all of the rat snakes I was pairing up, you know, um, and the the milk snakes, like all of that. And uh, so that was cool. So I, I got eggs, but I didn't stick around long enough to see them hatch. And uh, but they did hatch. They told me they hatched. Nice. And that's awesome. But through that. Through that experience, I, I met one of my one of my best friends, Taylor Tevis, who's who's a friend of mine now. He's the guy that I got the Sabus from, and uh, we continue to be you know great friends to this day. And and um, you know we we would we would chat and we would, we would just talk about snakes and girls, you know. And now we're both <laughs> married, so it's just more time to talk about snakes, you know. <laughs> uh, remember when you could actually find Sabus for sale? Those were the days. <laughs> yeah, when nobody wanted them. Yep literally like $80 snakes nobody cares yeah oh they don't stay orange oh never mind <laughs> yeah they've they've been on my my list since i was a kid man it's just i didn't get them in time i was i didn't have a job cuz i was too young and then by the time i got a job i just never got around to it and now here i am i have a job but i have more bills and no one has any anyways Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a grown-up now. Yeah, damn it, <laughs> it's a problem. 
Mortgages are temporary. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think you'll see uh, I think you'll see more of them this year. Um, you know, Gary Gary's working with him. I know Russ Gurley's working with him. You know, um, I won't be so arrogant to say that I'll be successful, but but I hope to be. You know, and uh, so I think you'll start to see more of them. Yeah. They're uh, they're definitely cool snakes, man. They're just I don't know. It's those eyes that always just get me, man. They're just stupid bright. They're like gargoyle gecko eyes almost. They're just silver. Yeah, you know? and they're they're a really really good size. You know, like they're bigger than Antaracea. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're smaller than um, you know a Maclots python. Yeah, I'm building. Know, they're 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 a good size. They're like a you know. They're good. It's like ball python size, you know. There's mm-hmm. a reason ball pythons are so popular. You know, they're not too big and they're not too small, and and these these are you know weight wise are are like in that category. You know, they're pretty nice. They're not very colorful, but they're nice. So I don't know. I still like <laughs> the you know the 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 darker ones. Like I don't care that they don't stay orange because I still think they're. I mean, as is, you know, even if it's just sort of your olive brownish, you know, dark blue black like that's still a pretty snake to yeah. me yeah yeah it really is and it's unanimous that everyone who sees them they always just it's the eyes man those yeah, eyes yeah. just cap they just captivate you know yeah. i feel captivated yeah. <laughs> so how did you let's get yeah, let's really, get to what's what's important which is boiga okay yes yeah how do you get yes. into that genus Oh man, because um, it's not a genus you uh, kind of just jump into, or you just sort of like, yeah, I think I'll get some some boiga. It's like you somehow something sort of sparks that interest. In particular, I think with that that group. I remember the first one I ever saw. The first one I ever saw was at the snake show at Reptile Gardens, and um, it was just, it was a mangrove snake. You know, it was a melanata, and I thought it was like the prettiest snake I'd ever seen, you know? And I remember that when the guy put it back in the, like in the box, it just kept going, you know, it just, <laughs> it just kept going. I was like, that, I was like, that is cool. Um, and then I remember, um, on the King snake forum, I used to cruise the, the rear fanged, um, forum a lot and, um, read all of Bill Hughes, you know, Vegas Billy posts, yeah. Um, and he was really big into, into mangroves. He was, he was successfully breeding mangroves, you know? And, uh, and I was really interested in that. And there was a post that he had made about Boiga Cynodon. And he had said, he had said something to the effect of, I don't know why these aren't more popular. They're super tame. Yeah. And they're really big. They're bigger than melanin. I mean, they're not. They're not heavier, but they're longer. They're the longest species of Buiga. Mm-hmm. And they're tame. You know, he's like, why wouldn't anybody want these? It's like a tame tree boa. Somebody should let always... mine read that article because he doesn't agree with that. <laughs> Who doesn't? I said someone should tell that to my Cynodon because uh, he doesn't agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah, mine are all really, really chill. Really, like, really relaxed. And, uh, and, Anyway, so I mean that always stuck with me, and um, and I'd always wanted sign it on over everything else, you know, and um, and and I mean, 
I, I really wanted Divergence. I still do. I mean, again, anybody donating Emerald Tree Boas or Divergence, I'll take them both. No problem. Uh, <laughs> but I got some... Um, Martin Rosemont had some uh, Boiga Latifasciata for sale mm-hmm. several years ago. And they were... Um, the, you know, you, they were outside my price range, you know. Um, yeah, they're hard they to find, be. and they're expensive. And, uh, yeah, and uh, but it was an ad on Fauna, and I, I I kept watching it, and and he bumped the ad, and then he said something to the effect of of still available or taking offers or something like that, and and I wrote him I wrote him an email, and because I was going to lowball him, and and <laughs> At least it you're was honest. It, it wasn't. <laughs> But it wasn't in the, I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't like, I'm going to lowball you because I want to pick these up for nothing. It was, this is what I have. Right. And I didn't know what the situation was, you know? I didn't know Martin like I know him now. Um, but but I didn't, what I didn't want was, I didn't know if it was like a moving situation where it was like, hey, if somebody doesn't buy these, then they're going to go to the pet store, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to give them to the pet. You know? Like, I didn't want them to be given away. I wanted them to be given to somebody that was going to take care of them. And, and, uh, so, so I, I, I made an offer of about two thirds the price that he wanted. And, uh, but I followed it up by saying, this is real. Like, if you accept this offer, it'll be in your PayPal by the end of the day. And, um, and he accepted it and he said, I've got this pair of Cyanea too. Like, do you want those? And I was like, not, not really. Like I'd never seen Cyanea in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was like, not really. Um, but I said, I'll take, I mean, again, I don't know your situation. Like I'll take them and then I'll pay you, you know, by the end of the year. And, uh, so he's like, all right. So he sent them and, uh, the, the, like those four snakes were perfect. So I got the pair of Latifasciata that were the oldest, most likely the oldest Latifasciata that were ever brought into the United States. Um, or at least the oldest that are that are here currently. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, like just those were phenomenal. And then the Sinea, as soon as I opened the bag up, I was like, Oh, now it I makes want sense. Yeah. you know, like now I want these, like the shades of green, like, and it's, I say shades, plural, like there's just every shade of green in that animal. And, uh, that was, that was super cool. So, um, so that's, that's, is that, I think, that's not my first foray into Boyega, actually. Actually, I did get some sign, some signed on before that um, from from Joe Swatowski, but they all died. Um, they all died immediately. So, hmm. so I had kind of sworn myself off of um, of at least wild caught Boyega, mm-hmm. and then I had gotten some captive born Boyega from Jordan um, signed on. And man, they're just, they're so delicate, way more delicate than, than what I was used to. And, um, and I ended up, I ended up killing them and, uh, and just cyst feeding them. Like, like they just don't handle stress the way say like rhino rat snakes can, you know, or, or other babies. So, um, so along the way I'd picked up a, a melanata, and then I had the the pair of cyanea. I thought it was a pair. It actually turned out to be two males, and then um, and then the pair of latifasciata. So that was kind of my base group that I had for for a long time until I ended up getting the 
the sign it on. So since then, I've added three. It's a hell of a group, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really digging it. So the, the lot of fasciata are, are, are no more. The female um, passed away um, last year, I think it was. Um, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, like, that's rough. Like heartbreaking, and um, and I, I was so convinced that it was going to be my year for for that species. You know, I'd gotten infertile eggs for the, for the last two years in a row. And I, I felt like I was getting closer and closer and I felt like that was going to be the year. And, um, I'd even, you can go back to my Instagram stories and, or my Instagram posts and see the post that I say, this is the year for this snake. And she was literally dead within two hours after I posted that. Oh post. man. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. What was That's doing, rough. So. Yeah. It's hard. So I, I, I sold the mail, um, to a guy that had, that had a female and, um, so now I've got, um, I got a pair of cyanea and a trio of cyanodon and a cyanodon offspring. And then, um, oh man, a boatload of melanata, five melanata right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Those are good one. I just, as a genus, man, I really want to get into more. It's just space is becoming like, I'm starting to eyeball some of my other stuff. I mean, like, do I really need you? Mm-hmm. I yeah. totally fit yeah. some more boy <laughs> here and there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But they are. I mean, it, it's they, such a cool species. And, and, um, there's, there's a book called, um, hunters in the trees. It's a life history of arboreal snakes. It's an excellent book. And, there's a chapter on Boiga at the at the end of the book, and it's as expected. It's super heavy on brown tree snakes mm-hmm. because that's 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 what research has been done on, right? Right. Um, on, as on brown tree snakes, but he 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 describes Boiga being like fulfilling the same niche as in the old world as trebo is phil in the new world and and i just thought that was so cool you know and and, and so yeah I just, I just thought that was so cool and like it it makes me look at them in a like in a, in a in a cool light you know like i know they're not boas but um i can definitely see the sort of the parallels yeah yeah they're super super cool so do you have any boiga cooking this year or no i i hope to um uh, last year, uh, I had a female lay eggs in December and then, and then lay eggs in April. And so I have that same pair paired right now. Um, but I, I have not seen any, any action. Um, there's I, the melanata. No, that's the sign it on. Um, my melanata, I have, I have an adult female, but I don't have a, an adult male. So I have an adult female and then I have, um, four, I have two pair of, uh, young ones that I'm growing up, and uh, I just didn't get a male. And I, I was growing this female up and growing this female up, and then you know, you you know, like I don't get my snakes out a lot, and so you know, you just feed the snake and feed the snake and feed the snake, and then one day you do get it out for whatever reason. You're like, oh wow, you're way bigger than I thought you were. Yeah. You know, like and that's that's what happened to that snake, and uh, and so she, man, she's she is ready to go. But uh, yeah, I just don't have a male yet, so I'll, I'm gonna grow up a male, maybe maybe 2022. Um, 
I'll try. Well, as soon as those eggs hatch and you see little worms with sunsets on the sides, you let me know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping to get. I'm hoping for for more cyanidon for sure. Um. And we'll see. We'll see. She shed the other day. You never know. I could just come in and find eggs someday. Fingers crossed, brother. Yeah, she's in her play box right now, which is, which is, which is promising. It makes me makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like she's, she's not normally in there, so that could be that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of flying by the seat of my pants with these cyania mine, and you know, as far as breeding them, learning them as I as I go, sort of deal. And I was not expecting her to double clutch without pairing a second time. It oh yeah, it didn't come as much of a surprise, but she shed again, and yeah. I was like, "Well, that's weird. She shed not that long ago." And then I looked at her probably two weeks later, and she was looking really, really thick, sort of in the back half. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I know what's going on." And uh, yeah, I mean, literally like a week after the first clutch was done, you know, hatching and everything like that, she had another one on the ground. So the yeah, freaking factories, man. I know they're really prolific, and I mean. What I love more than anything is 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 uh, seeing snakes hatch. You know, I mean, I just, I mean, I love that. And um, and and if my snakes could lay multiple clutches, you know, if every snake could lay multiple clutches of eggs every year, like all the better. Well, and, it's even uh, crazier with them because they're so sort of thin and you know, like lanky that you're like, how can you handle this? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, mm-hmm. she she's yeah. doing great. I mean, she's she's really doing well. That's super cool to hear. Yeah, I had a hard time. I didn't. Um, I had a hard time incubating the first clutch of eggs that I got. Um, I just did the. Uh, you know, I, I incubated them over suspended perlite, mm-hmm. like flooded perlite. So the humidity was high, you know. Yeah. But but there was no there was no moisture touching the eggs and they looked perfect for, you know for 110 days and then i got the second clutch of eggs uh around around day 100 or so cuz i remember it was about a week or two um when i had cut when i had cut the the first clutch mm-hmm. and when i picked them up i just i i knew something was wrong because it was like picking up styrofoam. Like there was no weight oh, to it weird. at all. And well, I know what that's and, like. Yeah. And when I when I cut when I cut the eggs, like I didn't cut them. Like they cracked open, and they were completely dry and completely empty. But they didn't desiccate. They didn't wrinkle. They didn't shrivel up. They they dried. And you know how did the cyanide? Did, did were those eggshells like thicker? Yes. Then yeah. I, when I was so, cutting so, them, I was amazed. I was like, this is. It was like, how did they get out of this? Yeah. So I, I think that's true maybe throughout the genus because these ones, the cynodon were the same way. And uh, it was it it was hard to cut them. And I, and I, and I cut them and it was, it was, I mean, it was like dust coming out. Just that's And weird. Uh, so they had died like really early in incubation, mm-hmm. um, which made me freak out because I had a, the second clutch that had been incubating for a week or two at that point in the same manner, you know, I was, I was incubating in the same way. So, um, so I immediately switched them from perlite to burying them in, in, um, 
vermiculite. And then I covered them in sphagnum moss and I, I got them, I got them really wet. Like I got that moss really wet. And, and I was just, I was like, my thought was if I'm going to kill these eggs too, it's because it's going to be because they're too wet. Like I'm not going to make yeah. the same mistake twice. You know? And, um, day 104, man, I had, I, I opened up to check it out and there were, there were two babies that had hatched out on top of the sphagnum moss. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was super pumped about that. Yeah. Cause I lost a few that were full term and I, I wonder, you know, if that egg tooth gets, comes loose or falls off for whatever reason before they're it's time, you know, like there's no way they're getting out of that. And so yeah, I wonder if that's I, what happened. I, I, I don't nine. know. It's, but yeah. those shells are just unbelievably thick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had five full term dead in the egg as well. And, um, but I mean, nature has a way, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not going to say that I haven't figured it out yet at all. I'm still, you know, flying by the seat of your pants. That's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm right there with you, buddy. Let me ask the eggs that you had from the first clutch that were completely hollow on the inside. Was there any substrate <laughs> stuck to the outside of them? Like to like, were they like coated and substrate at all or no? No, they were perfectly clean. Um, they were on, you know, I'd put, I'd put them on uh, egg crate light diffuser on top of flooded perlite. So there was nothing touching them. Okay. Cause I had gecko eggs do the same exact thing and I chalked it up to, you know, the eggs are covered in sand and like the sand was encrusted around it. And I figured it made some mm. kind of barrier, you know, cause we see eggs go bad, you know, they rot out, whatever. They start to dimple. They start to discolor. They kind of deflate like a raisin or whatever. But the eggs that I had were full flawless textbook eggs. And then, like you said, when you cut into it, it was like, it was like, like thin, thin paper, like tissue paper almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my the shells of mine were still hard. They were harder than they should be. Um, but yeah, there there was nothing inside. I mean, it was. And it, whatever had started out in there was was completely dry. Yeah, it was it was wild. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean it's the sign. Like you're talking about that with the cyanodon. I experienced that with the cyania, and then our buddy Matt McDowell. He had some uh, nigriceps eggs, and he said the same thing. Like the eggshells were just very thick, and I think he had a he had a small clutch of like maybe four eggs. I think it was, and he had one baby that that made it all the way. And mm -hmm. he said the same thing, just the eggshells were super thick. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder There's if it's a, like a higher calcium rodent diet that has an effect on that or if it's, you know, I'd be interested to hear what they're like in the wild if, if anybody ever finds any. Well, I feed mine, I feed mine chicks. So mine's, I mean, it kind of throws that out. I, I just feed mine birds exclusively. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's, that's just, that's all the boy you get or just the sign of Just the sign. Yeah, yeah, because I've had horrible success trying to feed anything except <laughs> for out, birds. Phil had a problem. Yeah, and like horrible success feeding, feeding what? Yeah, if I try and like I've had all different species of boygo over the years, but I've never like kept them personally at my home. And now I've got this giant sign on at my home. And the thing just doesn't want to eat anything. But if I leave chicks just dead frozen thawed in like a styrofoam bowl, they're gone in like two hours. 
Uh, and like, yeah. uh, like, like that's, I just do it. That's, that's how I've been doing it so far. And I, I want to vary the diet. I want to like expand on my horizons and like give the thing better nutrition, but you want to see birds. I'll let them eat birds, you know, screw it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. You could get quail, you know, you could go from chicks to quail and, um, it also, yeah, I mean, eggs. yeah, I, I haven't tried the eggs yet, but, uh, what I was doing is cause the, I guess the chicks that I got were gigantic. They were like mm. diesel yellow chicks. Turkeys. So I wanted to give it, yeah, right. I wanted to give it a, a turkey pulse. That's actually a great idea. I somebody needs to do feeder pulse. But uh, anyway, I digress. So instead of giving like three giant chicks, I would do like two chicks and then like three or four Dale quail. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. offered one of my cyanide chick at one point, and it was like, "What the hell are you trying to give me?" No interest. Uh, that's funny. I've got one um, sign on my my other female that um, has has been a notoriously bad eater, and um, and for for like the first year, I couldn't get it to eat anything but eggs. I'd just leave eggs in its cage, and and it, and it would eat eggs, but I couldn't get it to eat anything else, and so. I paired it. I, I, I tried to breed it because I thought, well, maybe this will, maybe this will get it eating, you know? And, um, and it, it did for a while to where it would eat quail. Um, but it was still super shy. Like it wouldn't, it would, my other ones, my other ones will eat out of my hand. I mean, they're, they're, they're confident. They're, they're calm. Um, and they're, they're good eaters. But this one, like if I tried to feed it from tongs, it, it would just bow up and strike it and and like sign don't have to be the worst strikers in the animal kingdom, like in the snake kingdom like they <laughs> you can't get them to I, mean, I couldn't get them to strike feed like it, it, they would strike two feet past the the chick you know or whatever i was trying to feed it and um so that never worked so i'd, I'd have to leave like a a quail in its cage and then leave and then and then it would eat it um but after it laid eggs, it, it didn't continue eating the quail. And uh, it just laid infer an infertile clutch, you know. And, uh, and then it went back to eating eggs. But it'll eat day-old quail. But it won't eat, hmm. like, quail the size of a chick, you know. I really feel that that has something to do with, like, not to sound weird, but, like, the nest rating idea of it. Like, Justin always yeah. calls them tr tree ninjas, you know. Because, like, in yeah. the past when I've had – you know, dendrophila, dendrophila, and melanota, and like uh, there was a time I had some uh, uh, demisincta, and we literally would take. I mean, we got creative and got birdhouses and stuff too, but we would just take like a, a blacked out deli cup, throw like three or four live fuzzies in there, and just bury it in the corner. And then the next day, you go and check, and there's no fuzzies in the cage at all. But if yeah. I put like say rat pups in there, even though the snake was big enough to eat oh, yeah. or consume multiple rat pups. It wouldn't do it because it had to like fight the prey item, you know. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that might have to be some kind of psychological thing where it didn't want to eat a whole, you know, chick, but the Dale quail being so much smaller, it was less of a fight, you know. The path of least resistance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you you were saying you're feeding the sign on eggs. Are you just feeding them like whole quail eggs or chicken eggs or what? Just chicken eggs from the from the grocery store. You just leave a, a, a raw chicken egg from your fridge in there and it just it's gone in the morning? Uh it might take a few days. 
Um, but yeah, I've, I've warmed them up. Like I've put, you know, just put them in warm water or leave them on the counter for a while, you know, to the room temperature or whatever. Like I don't put cold eggs in there, but, um, but I'll, I'll put at least room temperature eggs and I'll just, you know, I'll put one or two of them in there. And I mean, I'll, I'll leave them, I'll leave them there. <laughs> I'll leave them there until they, until they're gone or until they start to stink, you know? And I'm, I'm literally trying that tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and you know, what's cool is I got that from, from a guy that, um, I don't know how I found him if it was on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but he, he, he had a pair of, uh, of signed on beautiful snakes, man. And he had a, a huge clutch of like eight or 10 or something like that. They all hatched. And I was asking, him, I was like, dude, like, you know, I was asking him like, what's, what's your secret? And like, what, what'd y'all do? And, and I said, were they a pain to get feeding? And he was like, no, they were super easy to get feeding. And I was like, what? It's like, what'd you do? You know? And, uh, so he told me about feeding him pieces of frog leg and he's like, yeah, you just assist feed him frog leg. Like they chow it down. I was like, Oh, okay. And, um, I feel like now, like that's the, the standard, like that's the standard method of feeding baby cynodon, you know? And what I love about it is that this guy had never bred any snakes before. Uh, you know, he hatched them in a hovabater, you know, like he, he did, he did things that in, in my arrogance, right? Like in, in my, that my experience would say, that's not the right way to do it, but he's having success and I'm, and I'm not, you know? And, uh, and so I, man, I really wanted to learn, learn from him and just be like, just tell me everything. Cause this is amazing. And he said, yeah, he said he is, um, chicken, egg, chicken eggs. And I was like, what? Like from the grocery store? And he's like, yeah. And I tried it that night and, and, and they ate them and I was fascinated. Like every single one of my sign about eight chicken eggs that night. And I, I was just fascinated by it. So, yeah. I, like I said, I'm literally trying that tomorrow. And I think it honestly it stems from, it's not our arrogance of like having done this for so long. It's we overthink it, man. We yeah. really do. You know, and sometimes you just got to not overthink it and just, just let it happen. You know? Yeah. You want to hear like a really gross story? Yes, uh, always. So, so I had had these eggs in the snake cage for over a week. I don't know how long they were in there, but I know it was over a week. And I really wanted to make cookies one night, <laughs> and we didn't have any eggs. Like we were out of eggs, and I was like, "Man, I know where there are some eggs are." You know? And... No, no, no way. <laughs> I totally made cookies with those eggs, man. I went and got those eggs. Like, I, I mean, I cracked them open and like, I smelled them to make, like, I didn't I make sure, you know, I want to make sure I wasn't using rotten eggs, you know? Uh, but they didn't smell bad. And so I, was, I rolled with it, man. It was, it was good cookies. That sounds like and something is, Wyman a, would do. That is definitely something Travis would do, but <laughs> that is literally a testament to, that is a testament to Herbers all over the world because all of us playing in the dirt, picking up critters as kids, living outdoors. You do that, and you don't get salmonella. But my city friend, who's never touched grass before, he gets it from a tomato in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I even ate the dough. I remember. I was like, I ate the dough. Because who doesn't, right? And I was like, oh, oh no, I don't got know. It. You got it. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I should have done that. But I'm like, whatever. I rolled with it. <laughs> Uh, 
that's actually really funny because my coworker recently, his wife is first generation, you know, in the United States. She's been here for maybe 10, 15 years and mm -hmm. he loves eggs in the morning. And she's a, you know, very good, you know, wife and cooks and breakfast every morning. And all of a sudden his eggs started tasting a little funny. Like they kind of had like a, like a gaminess to them. So he didn't think anything of it. You know, a week goes by and then Sunday morning he, can't find his wife and he's like well, where the hell is she and he goes out back to see if maybe she went to the car to get something out of the car or something and she is literally raiding invasive muscovy duck nests and she's kicking the duck in the face trying to take their yes. eggs and he says what what are you what are you doing what are you doing she's like i this is how i've been getting your eggs we ran out of chicken yeah. eggs he goes, how many duck eggs have i eaten she's like at least the past week so, so like you can't you can't get mad at her because they are invasive species, but still like neighborhood backyard gross ass city ducks, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. god. The the cynodon babies that I got from Jordan, um, they would eat sparrow eggs, and I put up so many birdhouses in my backyard that year. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Man. And because uh, I went out, I went, I had I had one birdhouse. And I went out to get feathers. I was like, well, I'll get some feathers and like scent a pinky or mm -hmm. something like that. You know? And there were eggs in there. And uh, I think there were five eggs. And so I was like, oh, and they're the right size and everything. So I I took one, one or two, I think I took, and I, I put them in a little two ounce container, elevated in the cage, and it ate in front of me, which was like, I mean, this snake wouldn't eat for nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't get it to assist feed. I, like I was force feeding a snake, you know? And, uh, and it just, boom, it just went over there and ate them. And I was like, Whoa, that's the coolest thing ever. And so I went back out and I got all of them and I put them in there. Boom. It ate all of them. It eat five at a time. And, uh, so then I was, I just, I started making birdhouses. Yeah. You know? huh. That's crazy, man. Cause like, I'm trying to envision like a boy eating it like an egg eater and like, yeah. you know, just like stretching out. And I just, I can't fathom it, but I'm literally trying it tomorrow. I'm very, very excited. Yeah. It, it looks uncomfortable. Like when my adults do it, they look, they look uncomfortable, but, um, but man, they do it. Yeah. Hey, just hey Justin. Digested has, has shell and all. Uh, but sometimes, um, no, the shell will come out in a year eight sometimes. Oh, like okay. you'll see like all the crunched up shell. Yeah. Justin, has Matt ever said that he's given any his boyga any kind of egg stuff? Uh, not that he's told me. He may be. I don't. If if he is, I don't know. I'm totally texting him after this. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Are you breeding? Do you I'm loving it. shifting gears? You bred some rhinos this year, though, or did you not breed rhinos this year? Yes. Yeah, I have. Uh, every year since since I started. In, in in 2014, I've had I've had it uh, at least two clutches every year. Have um, you ever had babies escape? <laughs> not that I never found. <sighs> Burn! <Damn>. Burn! <laughs> Dude, I still feel so bad about that. I'm gonna be taking that with me to the grave. I'll be on my deathbed. I asked I asked Mark Hager. I said uh, I said, Hey, I'm about to go on, you know, THP. Any any chops I need to bust? And he goes, I mean, just the rhino rat snake that's living under Justin's house. <laughs> oh, man, that that hurt. Just 
opening that tub after having it for a week and it not being there. And you know how like when you lose something, you check under the, the like paper towel or the bedding like five times as if it's somehow going to magically just show up? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <sighs> your room's not, your room's not uh, escape-proof? Well, that no. was that was when I was living with my parents, and it would uh, have been a giant gap in his door. Hey, that's at my house now. That's the house I own. I will I will throw you right under that bus, Justin Smith. I'm talking about Buy my parents' house. Sleep. That's where the rhino got out, and they have vents in their floor. So yeah, I I I rented a house the the first house in South Carolina that I rented. I I had um I had we had floor vents, and I covered them all with with mesh. And uh, uh, that was the first thing. I man, I went into that room. I had a door sweep on the door, covered everything with mesh, duct taped up all the cracks. It was an old house. It's built in like the 1920s. Covered you know all the cracks and everything. And uh, there's a huge peace of mind when that happens, right? Like when you look under the paper and your snake's not there, and you're like, okay, it's gone, but it's in this room. You know, if you know it's in this room, then um, that's a huge peace of mind. Yeah, I found some. I found I found some snakes in some weird places. Dude, I had a uh, when I lived in Austin. Uh, I was in an apartment in Austin. And I had a, a an adult rhino rat snake escape. Don't know how, but it, but it did. And I didn't find it for a long time. And then there was uh, my annulated boa shed, and I was like, oh cool, she shed. She'd been in the hide box for a long time, you know. So I reached in there and I grabbed the shed, and it's got a horn on it. <laughs> what? That's and awesome. I lift up the hide box, and there's the rhino rat snake and the annulated boa in the hide box, and and I'm like, what in the world? And I had a like a three quarter inch hole drilled into that cage for a um, uh, I drilled it for a misting system, but I just I, misting system wasn't hooked up, so there was this three quarter inch hole that the the boa couldn't get out of. But the rhino could, and, and and then it like totally made sense. It was like, oh, the the rhino cage was right here. It just crawled up and over and found that hole and went in and then just hung out. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, Phil, if it will make you feel better, I will hunt down a door sweep. Yeah, I, I think it'll make you feel better, buddy. <laughs> Seattle? Dude, it is like the, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Just like Terry said, like I have to have my room venomous proof and escape proof per fish yeah. and wildlife rule, you know. But like, even if I didn't have to do it for the laws, I would absolutely still do it because it's just that super duper peace in mind to know, like, you know, when you walk in the room and you see a couple things knocked over, and you're like, uh oh, where yeah. is he? You know, and yeah. like, it's just it's peace in mind. Know that it's in there somewhere. Just take your time, and you'll find him because he didn't get out. You know. Well, that snake started some sort of curse that is now attached to me because I hadn't oh, no. lost a snake in I don't know how many years leading up to that. And then I moved into the new house and it was like an alterna got out of the rack, you know, the same rack, you know, mm-hmm. every week. And so I was finding alterna all over the place. And like the Jansen and I got out twice and it was just like, Jesus. So yeah. I don't. I want to put a door sweep on there, but my concern is making the AC unit work harder than it has to. Yeah, but the, the but the thermostat isn't in that room, right? It's not, but it's still 
you're going to have some sort of like vacuum sort of effect because, you know, the air is not going to be coming out from under that gap in the door. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have my, because again, I have the venomous stuff. My air vents are on the ceiling and I have them screened off and then I close them shut completely. So, you know, that room is always the hottest room in the house just because, I mean, I have a couple of heat emitters and some, some bulbs and stuff and then I shut the vents off. But I don't think, I don't know. I mean, you, honestly, you're just going to have to try it. Yeah. Uh, especially if it's an interior door. I mean, I don't know. There's not a vent above your door? No, I mean, there's a vent in the room, but the nearest right, vent, the I actually, I have to look and like see a, where the nearest it's one not like a re- Well, you're just going to have to move, Justin. Get a, you're just going to have to yeah, get a house. Yeah, you know, hey, you've, we've been here that a year, and we've paid off maybe like 3000 of the principal. Nice. So... <laughs> well i got a question for terry that i've been meaning to message you on instagram about and i keep forgetting to so i've had a massive hard-on for angolan pythons for a very long time and i remember you posted a picture of one wrapped around eggs and i think the caption said something like i won't be letting her do mi this time or something what's the story <laughs> yeah. behind that yeah um uh so last year i um i i had so I, I, I paired two Angolan pythons, and um, I've got two pair. And the first female laid eggs, and I, I just, just I made up my mind that I was going to do maternal incubation. I've done it with the diamonds. I've done it with with Stimson's pythons, you know. And um, and I was like, I, I was like, I learned my lesson with the diamond pythons. You just don't do anything, right? It's like I can do this, and they can do this. This will be awesome to see Angolan pythons. Certainly, it'll be awesome. Yeah, but this and, is uh, Africa. Laid... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't go well. Uh, she laid, and she laid partially on the heat tape, and um, she didn't lay in the lay box. She laid underneath her high box. She laid partially on the heat tape, and um, and like sometimes doing nothing isn't the right thing to do, and this is one of those times. And uh, I didn't, I, I didn't do anything. I just, I just left them, you know, and and um. And I think too, like I'm always freaked out that you know if I if I mess with her too much or if I check the eggs too much, then she's not going to incubate them or she's going to leave them or it's you know I'm going to ruin them, right? And um, which isn't true, right? Like I mean, you can pull a snake off egg and and she'll go back to him, you know? And uh, and um, so yeah, I just left them. Then they started stinking after about a week, and then by the time I checked them, they were they were gone. They were all blue and just gone so so then i was Damn. really picking myself you know um it was a species i'd never bred before it was a species i was really i was really excited about and it was um it was covid it was the beginning of covid and so then i was thinking oh that that could have like that could have paid for our groceries like it was my responsibility almost like i had start i had like felt like guilt from like a like a provider standpoint that, oh, I, I, I could have gotten income from that, that I didn't because I just wanted to try this thing, you know? And, and like, I didn't. Yeah. And it, it would have worked if I paid attention, but I, I didn't pay enough attention, you know? And um, so when the second pair went, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to take. <laughs> nice. So I, and, the, and those babies came out good. 
Yeah, I had uh, I had five and four hatched, and uh, I still have three. One one didn't make it. It was a little kind of hatched a little had a yolk issue, and uh, so, so I have three still from that clutch. Yep. Cool, man. You're gonna hold on to them. Yeah. Uh, I'm planning on it. Yeah, I, I made up my mind that um, I was keeping all the females from the clutch, no matter what. And um, I think they're all females, actually. Maybe, maybe there's one male. I don't know. You know, when you when you decide to like, oh, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm gonna keep it. Then uh, I'm just not in a hurry to sex them. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I'm I'll, I'm in the keeping all three of those. Are their cool, clutch man. sizes awesome. usually pretty small? Yeah, five to, I mean, I've heard of clutches of, of like, t you know, nine, 10, 11, but like, uh, you know, that 11 is a lot, you know, they're huge. The eggs are huge. I have a picture on my Instagram. They're, I mean, they're huge eggs. So, are they bigger than like Brongersmy eggs? They're like Burmese python eggs. Damn. Damn. Yeah. That's they're awesome. big. Like, like you, you know, you can't fit that in the egg. What's that? How big? How big is mom? Um, I think she was. I mean, I think she was five pounds. I don't. I don't know if you want weight or length or other like a. No, uh, I mean uh, ballpark. Whatever. She was five pounds uh, before she laid eggs. Like before when I bred her. Wow. Um, they're bigger now. They're they're big snakes. Like I don't know if people don't know that golden. They get big, um, and they're they're pretty long. Like I got, I got a female in a, in a four foot vision right now, and uh, you know she goes the length of it for sure. Awesome, man! Awesome. I'm definitely yeah. gonna have them in the future. I just part, part of me, it, I have a few snake species in my mind that like I've kind of put on a pedestal, and it's not that like I can't take care of them or like I don't have the 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 gumption to do it. I just feel like if I did get them at home they wouldn't be as special. Like I still, I wouldn't have that pining for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I think that that species I may have to take off of that list just because every time I see them, they're just super awesome. And I'm all about like brown and tan and khaki snakes and like those, everyone wants the the high blues and purples and stuff. But dude, like some of those, like, like you have that one brown female that's just awesome looking. I really, uh, I, I really enjoy them. And, um, Brett Bender is, is what turned me on to him. Cause I I'd seen him before and, and, uh, my friend Taylor even, even had some, but they were babies. And so babies were the only ones that I'd ever seen before. So it wasn't until Brett put an adult female in my hand and I was like, Oh, okay. Now I'm in like, I'm in. This yeah. is cool. I like this. Yeah. I too have and been he's tempted. Got, he's got a couple different. Yeah. Brett's got a couple different like palettes of them, like color wise. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting that like we both have Angolans, we both have Ruffies, and and we see different colors. Um, we see you know different colors you know within the clutches that we have. Yeah, it's really neat. Like his Ruffies have have a lot more um, variability within the clutch than I feel mine do. And uh, yeah, his Angolans are a little bit different color, and 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 he's got a friend uh, that does Angolans that are that are a lot darker, you know. So. Yeah, it's it's super cool. There's there's way more work that can be done uh, with that species, you know, a lot more that can be done. And I don't, I, I mean, I could say this with a lot of things. Um, I, I don't know why they're not more popular, you know. But 
I think it had a lot to do with a lack of availability of import and the price being higher than what people would expect them to be. I was going to say you know, price tag is, is a big one, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's a niche species to begin with. And then you compile the fact with that whole region of Africa is kind of non-exporting. So it's it's tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna try to change that. You know, that's why... Um, you know, I, I got in the habit of, you know, getting a pair of this or getting a trio of that and then and then selling all the offspring, you know, not holding anything back, you know, or not holding anything back until, you know, the third or fourth generation, you know, mm -hmm. and um, uh, or the third or fourth, you know, time that I that I brought them. And um, and looking back on that, I was like, man, that was a that was a mistake, you know, and, and, and to be honest, I think when I started keeping snakes again, uh, it, I. I think I, I remember when I had the litter of annulated boas, I was like, well, these aren't going to be ready to breed for like seven years. I'm, I might be on a sailboat in seven years. Like I'm not, I'm not even going to be keeping snakes in seven years. And, and so I was like, I'll, I'll sell all of them. You know, I'm not going to hold any back. And, and now I'm like, I don't see an end in sight to keep these snakes, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you idiot. You know, you should have kept those, you know? And, and I feel that way of every, everything that, that I've, you know, that I've had hatched out, you know, that it's reproduced here. It's like, man, you really should have kept, you know, at least every female from your first generation, you know, your first breeding and, and, uh, and you just, you know, where would you be, you know? Um, so I've really started with that mindset, um, kind of like paying yourself first, you know, is, Hey, you gotta, you gotta keep some stuff. And, uh, and it's been, it's been really exciting it's like i'm really excited about you know like the angolan pythons you know like i was like yeah i'm, I'm gonna keep these you know um if i get diamonds this year i promise you i'm not selling all of them like i did that like i did uh, like i did this year you know uh, yeah i'm gonna be keeping some for sure and, and how, uh, on, I, I don't know how many sign it on i'm gonna get before i decide that i'm gonna sell them but I, i'm not how, selling. how difficult were the angolan babies to get going um, one of them is off to the races. One of them is, is, uh, he's a, she's a chunk. Um, the other two, not difficult, you know, like I don't stress out too much when an, when an animal doesn't, doesn't eat, you know, like I'll, I'll give it quite a, quite a while. And, and just based on its body, um, shape and condition and everything, I can see that, you know, this snake doesn't need to eat, you know, if it doesn't want it, like it's not to the point where it needs to eat. I would really like it to, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to. So I haven't had a great time getting to meet, to eat. Um, but a lot of times they're really snappy babies. Like if you talk to Brett, Brett's had the opposite experience where his babies were super snappy and started eating no problem. Um, so, you know, I'm basing that on a sample size of three, you know, so it's not a very good. Yeah, and out of those three, it's, it's experience. Yeah, one is one is a rock star, and the other two are like, hmm, maybe they'll eat, maybe they won't, you know. What and, about, what about and I'm only doing frozen thawed, you know. I think I think if if you had access to live, I think it'd probably be a different mm -hmm. a different story. And what about the rough scale python babies? Um, they last year they were not difficult for me necessarily at all. Um, I tried them on. Um, 
man, I'm trying to think if I tried pinkies last year first or if I went straight to fuzzies. Um, but several, several just took frozen thawed mice the first go. Um, I don't start feeding right after they shed though. I wait at least a week mm-hmm. or two after they shed. And again, it's that, um, and, and in fact, I did try feeding them after they had shed one time and I knew they weren't going to eat, you know, like I just looked at them and I'm like, they're not hunting. They're not moving. Like they're not going to eat. And, and none of them did, you know, and it, and it was just like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. So, you know, so I'm going to wait two weeks and I'll try again. Um, so I had some success with just frozen thawed fuzzies. And then I tried day old quail because all the literature talks about day old quail. And I'm like, there is no way this snake can eat this, this size prey. You know, day old quail is like a, I mean, it's like a small mouse. Yeah. And, and I was like, there's no way that this snake can eat this. You know, I was like, quail in Australia have to be smaller than the quail that we're getting here, you know? But, um, but I, I had some and I, and I, and I tried it to, to five feet, to five animals and four, eight, um, when I left it overnight. But, uh, I always feed at night. Um, even, even now they're almost a year old. I, I always feed at night. Um, and, and so last year it, it wasn't a problem. And the ones that didn't eat quail, or frozen thawed, I got um, live rat pups, like ra- live rat pinkies, mm-hmm. sorry, and 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 they ate those. You know, I had like two holdouts that were kind of finicky, and I I cupped them one time and they ate, and then the next time they ate in their cage, and then the ne- and then it was like off to the races. So last year I didn't have very much trouble at all. This year they've been a little bit a little bit pickier, um, but but they've all come around. They're all they're all eating and, and they, and they, they switched the game on me. So they, they would not eat the, the live rats this year. I was like, you know, Oh, you know, I've seen this movie. No big deal. Went and got some live rat pinks, came back and like none of them made them. And I was like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, so this year, this year it was all fuzzies and daled quail. Hey, whatever works, works, right? Yeah. 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 I will say that I, I've been hard pressed to find a, a baby snake that is obviously big enough that would refuse a live rat pink. I feel like that's like the winning food choice for that size prey item. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think a lot of times we feed, well, I mean, I want to, I want to put a caveat on this because I think, I feel like some baby snakes have died eating that, that I've had eating too large a prey, but I, I feel like sometimes we feed snakes too small prey items, you know, and um, and so like that little bigger prey item. I mean, it's just it, it surprises me every time in the morning when I come in and I check and the snake that you'd look at it and you'd be like, yeah, feed it a pinky, you know, and then instead you're feeding it this bird and quail aren't like shaped aerodynamically. You know what I mean? Like they got yeah, this giant head rounder. and then this yeah tiny neck and then the body like blows up again so like just logistically they're they they can't be easy to swallow um but boom there they are and they eat them so yeah it's 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 really super cool but i i have not had like trouble i mean it's just patience you know I, i haven't had trouble getting to eat just just by being patient do they eat like perched up arboreal style or do they like cruise the ground at night? 
Rock chondros. Um, I have them in <clears throat> V18 tubs, and uh, I've got the the plastic perch. And when I come in at night, they're they're usually cruising. Um, a lot of times they'll be perched, but there's you know there's only what four inches there to you know so there's not like a lot to perch. But um, I, I always think it's a good sign if they are perched. And uh, but my holdbacks that I've you know that I've moved. Um, they they will definitely hunt from a suspended position. I mean, you know they're hungry if they're suspended, just like a green tree. <clears throat> they hunt that way for sure. But how do you the ground? S- What's that? No, I was saying I noticed the same thing with my tremersers. Is like if they're on the ground and I throw a live fuzzy in there, it's almost like the prey item is an annoyance to them. But if they're up on the elevated perch and I throw the live fuzzy in, well, then it crap, man, it's death from above, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was going to ask Terry, uh, how do you stay focused on certain projects, given sort of the all the different stuff you have going on? Like, how do you not just go crazy and get a, you know, all the other stuff you want to get into that you haven't? <laughs> um. Uh, well, I'm flattered that you think I am focused. Uh, so I, I feel like I forget how to breed snakes every single season. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like I have to go back and read the books again. And I was like, Oh, how do I do this? What am I supposed to do? You know? And, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I go through the motions and, 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 and I do like, I do go back through all of them and say, oh, okay, this is what I did before. This is what the literature says to do. And, you know, boom, let's, here we go. Let's do it. And, uh, and it seems to work out, but, but I think we all share the same, the same trait in that, um, nothing has ever satisfied my, my interest or my, my desire for, for snakes, you know, even like, you know, you're talking about putting snakes on a pedestal and certain species and stuff. And you get that, you get that pinnacle animal, you know, and, and, and you, you get it and you, you set it up and you put it in a cage. I find myself right back on the classifieds, you know, look, okay, now what's next, you know, and, um, you know, to a, to a fault, but, but then when I, when I do spend time out here and, and I've got kids, I I generally try to stay out of the snake room until everybody's asleep. Mm -hmm. So I'll be out here at night and, uh, you know, with my red headlamp, you know, just kind of cruising around and feeding stuff. And, um, and I get giddy about it. Like, I just love it. You know, I, I, I love spending time with them and, and um and feeding you know seeing the interactions coming in seeing snakes locked up you know like it's uh it's super exciting but one thing to that point i think some people are maybe hesitant to keep different species in the same room because they think it won't work you know they think you know you can't keep africa with australia or you can't keep south america with asia or 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 south america with north america or, mm-hmm. you know i don't know but they think they can't do it and um and, and, and I think, I think we overthink it. Like, like Phil said, I think we overthink it. I have bred black milk snakes in the same room that I've bred, um, everything else, you know, except diamond pythons, you know, like, uh, Hell yeah. you know, I've, you know, I've got, I've got Sumatran pythons right now that are locked up that are right next to Baron's racers, you know, and, I mean, it, it might be to my detriment, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe the Sabus aren't going to go, you know, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe that, maybe that's the problem with the Cyanea, you know, that, 
that uh, that I haven't had success with. But but I don't have separate rooms. You know, the only thing that goes in another room is the diamond pythons, and uh, and that's just um, for cooling. So for cooling, I put them in the in the garage, and then after you know, so either once I warm them back up, or once babies hatch. Or, or eggs are laid. Sorry, I bring those snakes back into the snake room, and everything is, you know, everything's the same. Um, for you know, so I think I would encourage people. I mean, if you don't think you can do it, well, you don't know if you don't try, you know. And just because you didn't work one year, well, it doesn't mean it's not going to work, you know. Um, yeah. Great words, wisdom, man. I love it. Yeah, don't accept your first failure as failure. You know, that's just. That's just an invitation to try again. The, That's uh, got to go on the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I like, I know I talk about people should diversify and, you know, try, try out different species or genre that they're interested in. But I think it's a matter of people aren't really sure like where to start. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they may, they might have interests in, you know, old world and new world colubrids and they might have interests in Aussie pythons and, you know, Southeast Asian pythons, whatever. Uh, but and I mean, like, what would be, where should, where do you think people should start in terms of, like, if if you were someone who was looking to, like, say they've been keeping nothing but corns or you know native species or ball pythons or whatever, like, if you were in that position, what would be the first thing you would do as far as looking to to change things up a little bit? I encourage people to keep what they want. You know, I mean, here we are, we're, we're in the age of information. Like there's so much information and there, there's so there's, we have, we have the best access to the most information that we've ever had in the history of the world. And so I feel like if, if whatever you want to keep, you know, I encourage that with the proper research and all that stuff. And, um, but in order to, in order to see what's out there, um, you got to read books, man. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to absorb content, whether that's, you know, talking to other keepers or going to the zoo or, or, or reading books or watching videos on YouTube or nature documentaries or whatever. Um, or, or go, you know, what, what I did, I went and worked at a zoo, you know, or, or, you know, go spend, you know, three months in Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was what was so exciting one of the exciting things about my trip to peru is you know i went down there and of course you know i wanted to see an anaconda and a and a and a bushmaster and a fertilance and a rainbow boa you know and like like all these things that i could go see in a zoo and i saw some of those but i also saw some snakes that i've never even heard of in my life you know i saw snakes that don't have common names mm-hmm. be you know and um and and that was exciting it was like I came down here to see something that I thought I wanted to see. And I thought I, I found things that I didn't even know existed. And, um, and so I think yeah. that's, what's really, what's, what's really exciting. And, uh, I said, if I wasn't a snake guy, I'd be a bird guy because just the diversity within that, that animal group. Oh, you know? definitely. Um, and, and snakes have a lot of diversity, you know, there's, there's big ones, there's little ones, there's fat ones, there's skinny ones, you know, there's ones that are active at night, ones that are active in the day. So there's a lot to work with. And, um, I think it's just a matter of being exposed to more, you know, just be exposed to more and see what you're interested in and, you know, try it out, you know, not, 
and, and, and I say that with, with not hesitation, but with the, they're, you know, it's not baseball cards. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to want to say, you know, just ah, try it out. And if that's not for you, then, you know, get rid of it. Yeah. You know, go into it with a little bit more research and a little bit more experience than that. But, um, but at the same time, um, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And I have a lot of animals that, that I didn't think, you know, I mean, five years ago, I would say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to have, dude, a year ago, if you said I was going to have ball pythons, I would say you're high, like absolutely <laughs> not. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm super stoked on, on ball pythons right now. You know, like, uh, I'm just excited about it. It's, what, it's, it's something flipped, that I've hated on. What you know? flipped that switch? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just uh, like all of, all of the reasons that I said ball pythons and ball python keepers were dumb. Well, <laughs> if I just like, like there's, there's as many or more reasons why I think, Oh man, this is really valuable. Like, this is really interesting. This is really fun. And, uh, so I'm, I'm really happy that I'm not a hater anymore, you know? Um, and I used to hate on Baron's racers. Um, why? because I was like, no. Oh, they're the they're the the subordinate rhino rat snake, oh. right? I was like, their <laughs> horns not as good. Like, wow, yeah. that's deep, bro. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and you know, I feel it's like you know, there was a while where it was like, oh, you keep green trees, do you keep emeralds, you know? And it's like, oh, do you keep rhinos? Do you must keep barons? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Like, I keep the ones that actually can have a the good horn, you know. Well, <laughs> then. <laughs> Somebody put a Baron's eraser in my hands, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, this is it's it's not a different kind of it's a different snake. It's a different animal, you know, um, in, a, in a really good way, you know. And so um, now I man, I love them like they're super cool and there's no need to compare them to to, to rhinos like they're, it's just a completely different animal. And, uh, and I think I was losing their, their awesomeness in the comparison, you know? And I think that was the same thing with Angolans. I was, I was comparing Angolans to ball pythons. This is just a bumpy ball python. I don't want that until somebody put one in my hands. And I was like, Oh no, this is a completely different animal. This is really cool. You know? Um, I, I do the same thing with the Mexican black Kings opposed to the black milks. And like you said, you have black milks and, Dude, I love yeah. black milks. And to me, it was like, everyone's like, oh, I got a, I got a black king snake. I was like, okay, not the same, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but, but at the same time, who am I to, you know what I mean? It's exactly what you just said. So kudos to you for having black milks, FYI. Um, what made yeah, yeah, you... Yeah, what, those, those... Go ahead. What's that, Justin? I said, what, what made you decide to, to give balls a shot? Uh, <laughs> uh, money. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? It, you know what it was? It, it was Condros. I want. I want. What? I was like. So listen, just hear me you're, out. You're and, in dangerous uh, territory be, now, guy. This might be a roundabout way of of doing this, but I need um, to hear this. Yeah. So choose your words uh, carefully. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, Mark and I are good friends, and uh, and we we talk often, and. He, and so I, I'm 
I, I see what's out there, right? Like I see you Condro people and uh, I've, I've spent the night at Bill's house, you know, I've seen the sickness. Like I, I see you guys out there mm-hmm. and, uh, and for the long time, I, 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 I guess I, I wasn't interested in it. Um, and for whatever reason, and um, maybe, maybe I'm thinking they're the inferior Emerald tree boa, you know, whoa, like, whoa, like, whoa, you know, <laughs> whoa, look, let's not get it. crazy. He said it. We were kind of all thinking it. I don't know. <laughs> and so anyway, <clears throat> so earlier this year, man, I'm having eggs hatch out. Like, I'm just loving it. You know, the Ruffies are hatching. The Angolans are hatching. The Rhinos are hatching. I'm like, I love this. I want more of this. And 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 I was like, at the time, I was like, I could get, I could get um, chondros. They make sense, right? Like, they're not too far away from some, from the some of the things that I have, you know. Yep. Um, I closest I know relative to rough scales. That, right. Exactly. Like I, I could, um, I could, uh, I could. I mean, I have access to, you know, some of the greatest keepers in the business. They like fun. Like I, I get it. Okay, this is a cool. This is a cool snake. I like what's going on. And. Um, and then I was thinking, uh, well, COVID had hit. So it was like green tree, like the stock on green trees just like doubled, you know, it was like, oh, wow, like, yeah. this thing's pretty expensive, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and I was thinking, what if I, what if I got like some Craigslist pies and ball pythons <laughs> and bread, just, just like one, right? Just like one pair, right? Because it'd be cool. Like who doesn't love pies? Yeah. Right? Like, I, yeah. I love pies. Hundred yeah, percent no. agree, but hilarious that you said Craigslist pies because that is actually a thing now. And like ten years ago, that would be blasphemy. Yeah, that was like the the Lamborghini. Right, of, of right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was like, you know, what if I did that? You know, and then I I sold those babies, and that bankrolled my Condra project, right? And um, and so I was like, all right. So that is how I flipped the switch. On, and stopped being a hater on ball pythons, and then, um, and then I went down a really long, really dangerous rabbit hole. And once you give your permit yourself permission for that, I'll tell you what, it's uh, be careful, be careful, bud. <laughs> I mean, I like f- full disclosure. I've thought about getting a pair of like Mojaves or nothing crazy, and breeding mm-hmm. them, and just to see sort of what what it's all about. Like, what's the what's the big deal? But my yeah. issue is, is if I just do some like simple sort of base morphs, no one's gonna want them, and I'm gonna end up with a bunch of babies that I more right. or less have to just give away. Which I'm, you know, I'm not right. really down with that. Um, right. And it wouldn't be a project I'd want to sink any serious amount of money into. But I have, I have contemplated being like, okay, let's let's see what you know. If I'm gonna talk smack, and I mean, I don't talk smack about ball pythons and ball python people. Like on any serious level, it's all just—it's an easy target. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's still a snake. It's still cool. Like I have an appreciation for the morphs. Highways are cool. Mojaves are my favorites. You know, I can appreciate it for what it is. But as far as like that and keeping up with all the morphs, I'm completely clueless. Um, but I mean, I have thought about being like, okay, well, if I'm gonna talk about the smack, I should probably at least put some time in because I've I've kept two or three ball pythons in my life. Not for very long, uh-huh. uh, 
and I don't know. I just I've I've put thought into it, but I just I don't think I'll ever actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when you know when I was hating on them, I I would explain it to people. So I I kind of had an intern uh, back in Texas. I was working with this guy, and and he had uh he had an interest in snakes, and I said, and he wanted some diamond pythons. He was like, dude, I'm. I figured out the snake that I want to buy. I'm going to buy some diamond pythons. And, and I said, well, well, that's dumb. I said, just clean cages for me for a year and I'll give you some, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so boom, I had an intern. And um, so, so he starts absorbing content, right? Right. Well, where does he go? Right. He's watching snake bites TV. Mm-hmm. He's watching Brian's blogs. He's watching all these things because that's, that's what's out there, you know? And, uh, and he'd come back to me and he'd be like, Hey, you know, these ball pythons and stuff. And I was trying to turn him away from from doing that, and I was like, "No, nah, you don't want to do that because don't. you know you breed a you breed you know you breed a it, it doesn't matter you know there's a white snake and a purple snake and a striped snake and a banded snake and but it doesn't matter they're all they're all ball pythons you know and I was like, but you need Malukan scrubs now you breed Malukan scrubs now that's an achievement you know like that's you know that's 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 big time you know and, and, and you were you were wrong in this in any way not, so far <laughs> no so. It's like your kids saying they're going to leave so, their job and go start a band and they'll see you in five years because they're going to make it big. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was that was why I was hating is I was just like, there's no, um, I was almost saying there's no diversity in that genus, right? The, the diversity is in the color palette. It's not in the species, right? Like you're talking about me and diversity. I, I guess I never really thought about it. But now when I step back, I guess, I, I guess yeah, like, I guess, I guess I have a diverse collection. So, so that was where my, like my hate was, was coming from as I was like, no, there's no diversity in that genus. Now flip the switch. And now it's like, okay, there's no genetic, like there's, well, that's not, there's no species diversity, but my gosh, there's the most genetic diversity of any animal on the planet in that genus. Um, so, so when I flip when I, you know, flipped that switch and I was like, oh man, I love seeing snakes hatch out of eggs. What if I had snakes had like when a rough scale hacks hatches out of, out of an egg, I know what's going to come out. You know, it's going to be a, a brown snake, you know, like all these, like when these are born, I know what's, what they're going to look like more or less. But, you know, and then you talk about morphs and you get into that whole, whole game. It's like, man, you have no idea what they're going to look like and they might all be different. And, and so it was just like, okay, from that perspective, that sounds like a lot of fun. I like to have fun. I'll try it. Yeah. So. Well, kudos. It's an awesome way. Yeah, awesome way of looking at it. So, if you edit that out, you know. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't edit nothing on this podcast except for technical difficulties and long pauses. So. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I don't. So hopefully I don't lose lose a lot of uh, fans over that. But, um, you know, I feel like we say a lot. Like you know, keep what you want and uh, and. And I've, I've just kind of expanded and I'm having a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, like I said, they're just, they're so popular. They're an easy target. They're just like Justin Bieber when he was popular. Sure. Just like easy right. target. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I, I was the guy at college that was, I hated on frats, man. I was just like, fraternities <laughs> are so dumb. That's gay. You know, rushing is like so dumb. Uh, but, they were having all the fun, you know, they were having the cool parties, you know, and, 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 and part of me is like, man, I've been ostracizing this, the largest section of our hobby, you know, like, 
and turn like, hey, they're having a lot of like they don't care that we're not interested in their animals. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, oh, wait a minute, they're having fun. Like, hey, I want to have fun too. Like, let's all have fun together. Let's even have more fun than we're already having. You know? I think so. my problem with it is, is I'm just I'm so behind the curve and so ignorant to all the morphs and stuff now. Like, I can't even. I feel like I can't even jump in and keep up. And I don't really have a whole lot of a desire oh. to, honestly, but it's just yeah. one of those things. That's something yeah. I talked about semi-recently was like, how the hell does someone who's coming into the hobby and wants to get into ball pythons, like, where do you start? Like, you know, like gets, what hasn't yeah. already been done? Anxiety. Yeah. Like, unless you're doing It'd crazy. Yeah. Unless you're doing crazy high end morphs and stuff like that. Like you're kind of dead yeah. in the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to talk about ball pythons any more than you want me to talk about ball pythons, but, but, uh, but there's, there's a, there's a really valid, really good counter argument to that, that, you know, the previous ball python industry was based on single genes and, uh, and single co-dominant genes that, that, you know, you get a pinstripe and you, you raise that male up and in four months, you know, and, and breed it to several females and, and then you get, you know, several pinstripes and then now pinstripes go from 20,000 to $3,000 each, you know, mm-hmm. like the era of that is over and now it's, it's multiple genes, it's multiple recessive genes. And so it's sort of evening out the market. Um, th- this is, this is what the, this is what the industry will tell you, right? I mean, I, I, I you know, you can't tell the future, but, yeah. um, to encourage anybody, if somebody wants to do it, you know, then I'm encouraging people to say, Hey, there's there's still there's there's more to be done now than than there ever has been before you know but i just think uh, i think i got a bad taste when i started noticing people obviously there's individuals who take care of animals and breed animals and enjoy animals because they love the animals and there's other people that are doing it because they may like snakes but it's literally just dollar signs to them which obviously none of us are like that i mean yes we we know there is a, a value to the animals that we produce but some of the ball python people, I will single them out and say that they're doing it just so they can make a buck and they're not looking at it as a living creature that they brought into this world through, you know, pairing up parents. They're looking at it just yeah. as dollar signs, which is which is poopy in my eyes. You know what I mean? Um, but one of the things that really got me was I was in a local pet shop and a guy came in and uh, he's like, oh, I need to get feeder for my snake. You know, it's my first snake. Blah, blah, blah. And the guy behind the counter was super helpful. And he's like, hey, you know, how big is it? Well, you know, hey, it's a... What did he call it? I mean, I'll just say spider for lack of a better word. He's like, oh, it's a spider python. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's, it's, it's spider python. He goes, is it a ball python? He goes, oh, I don't know. I'll go get it. So he goes to his house and yeah, he has his spider ball or pinch yeah. or whatever the hell it was. But these, some of the people coming into it that don't do the homework or don't do the research, that's all they know. And they think that these morphs are actual species. And it's <laughs> kind of like, a, a, a we, we laugh and we giggle at it, but it's kind of not good because I notice a lot of the ball python clicky stuff is that's all they know. That's all they want to know. That's all they want to show. And I feel like it's almost detrimental to the community to a certain degree because now instead of there being like a chondro click and a boiga click and a, a boa, uh, a tree boa click, now it's just like herpetoculture and ball python people. <clears throat> maybe, maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I don't entirely disagree. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I disagree. I just, uh, I, I disagree in that. Um, 
Well, I don't think there's anything wrong being being a mono mono keeper, right? Only keeping one species. Yeah. No, no, I, like, I, I don't. I don't think there's a problem that I know at all. Yeah, like we're not giving Ed Marino crap for keeping you know basins. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, right. Uh, right. Right. And uh, and so I don't. I don't think we should do that with ball python people either. And uh, but you're absolutely right. There are people that know everything about ball pythons, but they don't know. They don't know anything about you know, any, any other, any other reptile, you know, and that's, there's no rules to this hobby. There's no rules, you know, that says, Hey, you have to start with this and you have, you know, there's no, there's no rules to say that you have to be a well-rounded keeper. And I was thinking about this myself. Like I used to know a lot about lizards and turtles and stuff like that. And now I'm really ignorant to, to other reptiles and amphibians. And, and I think it has to do with not getting reptiles magazine anymore. Cause you know, every month reptiles magazine would show up to yep. show up and it didn't matter if I was interested in those animals or not. I read that sucker cover to cover. And so I was reading about species that I wasn't necessarily interested in, but I was still absorbing the knowledge, you know, and now you know, if you like, for example, if you just like ball pythons, you go to YouTube, you're just going to watch ball python videos. You know, you're not going to get in this, this extra, not going to the, you know, the exposure. Right. Yeah. But, it, but in terms of, um, and, and I, th and I think we give, you know, we give, uh, Royal keepers crap for, for the financial aspect of it, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't keep ball pythons that, that are just that like I can go to a show. I've been to shows where I know they just drove from from the Chiricahuas. They drove from Tucson to El Paso and picking up everything along the road that they found, you know. And mm -hmm. now it's on a deli cup in the container. And um, and I mean, to me, that's a lot worse, you know. Um, and, yeah, I agree. I agree. And so, <clears throat> I I'm I'm kind of a Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like uh, it's it's uh, like you said, they're the biggest target, so they're the easiest target. Mm -hmm. And and I'm just, I just, I just feel like they don't have to. They, we don't have rules. They don't have to play by our rules. You know, we don't have to play by their rules. And but it is really interesting when you know I was you know I'm looking into getting chondros, and I'm like, whoa, this is a thousand dollars, you know, for a chondro. That's quite a bit of money, you know. That's pretty high end snake, right? Yeah. And then you go to the ball python section of Morph Market, and you're like, "That is not a high end ball python." You know, that's <laughs> like, that's that's like lower mid tier ball python. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, so there is, you know, it, it it's super different, you know, when you're <clears throat> when you're selling two hundred dollar milk snakes, and you're looking at this other section, and they're selling, you know, five thousand dollar, you know, snakes. It's like man, how is, how is this the same? But, um, but that's, that's the curiosity, you know, people mm -hmm. want the, the, it's, it's a puzzle it's a, you know, it's and part I, puzzle. It's part, I don't know, treasure hunting. I don't know, yeah. but it tickles a lot of people's curiosity. That's why it's so. so. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that the, the amount of people in that corner that are, solely focused on the financial side of it are probably a very small chunk of, of the overall populace. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're, I mean, exactly. If you're, if you're seeing dollar sign and, and one, like I have nothing against anybody that wants to make money selling or breeding snakes. I think, I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, like I don't you either. Do what you love and- as long as they're doing it ethically and right by the animal, you know, go for it. Right. Exactly. And, um, and, and in order to do it efficiently, they need to take care of the animal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, you, you know, who am I to say, you know, you can't, you can't make money now. Now I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to sell animals. Like if I couldn't, you know, I would still keep animals, but I wouldn't keep this many, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, so, uh, my Baron's racers are just, they just started thrashing in the cage. They're courting. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I just want everybody, I just want everybody to get along, you know, <laughs> I just want everybody to get along. And, uh, it's and a lot. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, you know uh, I respect Bill a lot. You know, he's, he sells a lot of ball pythons. Mm-hmm. And when people come to his place to see ball pythons, they also see chondros and they also see blood pythons, you know? So you're, you're talking about expanding people's horizons and, and, and like, making people a more well-rounded keeper, you know, whatever that means, or if that's even necessary, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want anybody to keep anything else if they don't want to, you know, but, um, yeah, they shouldn't, they shouldn't feel like they have to keep something for a, for a status thing or a level of achievement or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, I think that's, um, I think you nailed it right there. Like no keeper should ever feel like they have to keep, x y or z or do x y or z and and i think even breeding you know i think i think there's like there's a pretty um and we're in the circle right like we're in the the community of of reptile breeders right so i don't know what it's like when you know like larry's kid wants a snake and they go to the pet store and they buy a snake and, and just have a pet snake you know or turtle or frog or gecko or whatever and and breeding doesn't come into it they just have this the animal until it dies and then and then, hey, yeah, I had a snake one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but it, it it is interesting to see how at least my collection was a lot smaller when captive breeding. It was still super diverse, but it was a lot smaller when captive breeding wasn't involved. And then once captive breeding was involved, it was like, okay, now you're getting multiple animals of different things, and you're able to you know, receive this income from selling offspring, which then you can put back into the, you know, getting, you know, more cages and more animals and more feeders and all this stuff. And so, um, but yeah, like you don't have to do that. And that was one thing that I was telling this, this guy that was working with me, I said, look, this is, you don't have to be me. You don't have to have all these animals. You don't have to breed snakes. Like you can just have one, you know, like that's fine. And, uh, I just wanted to keep reminding him that this isn't the only way to do it. It's funny that how foreign of a concept that's become. Because I mean, even mm-hmm. I can't really wrap my head around it. You know, it's yeah. it's like, well, why just? I mean, I guess it's a little different because I have like the loan scrub from Phil, and I I still don't know exactly what I'm gonna do as far as that whole thing. But I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where it's like I can't. I just, I can't wrap my head around that whole, just having one to yeah. have it. I know. I know. Well, I think it goes back to like, we're all guilty of it too. Is just going back to ball pythons real quick. They really are. I don't want to say it like this, but they're the gateway drug 
for like <laughs> really getting they into are. it. They are. They are. Yeah. And like and like it's awesome because I know people that have <clears throat> one or two ball pythons as pets, like we just talked about, and they have no aspirations of breeding or being a breeder or whatever, but they just love their pet snake and they play with it and watch TV with it and, you know, set it up in cool enclosures and rock and roll, you know. And then if that does spiral into more species or furthering their hobby in a in a particular direction, then awesome. I love it, you know. But we've talked about it before where, like, we have seen certain individuals where they see what we do in that community aspect and they're like, oh, I have to breed something. I have to do yeah, it. Yeah, there's sort and, of like, a pressure and, there. Yeah, like, oh, I, I'm a nobody if I don't breed something. And, like, that's not the yeah. case. You know, I've got snakes. I have to have a YouTube channel. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I've got snakes yeah. that I've had. I just, uh, I was going through old photos and, like, I've got a cobra that's 14 years in my care and I got it when it was, like, three foot. So God only knows how, how old that animal is. And as far as I know, that's one of the only ones left in the U.S. And, like, it's a male. I'm not going to breed it. I'm probably never going to find another female. So I might as well just enjoy it as a pet. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? It's a Nubian spitting cobra. Yeah, Naja Nubii. Nubia. Yeah, they're um they were once believed to be a subspecies of red spitting cobras, and they come from a particular like uh, river system in like southern Egypt, and uh, just nobody goes down there these days. Like nobody imports them. So red you know. reds are palida, right? What's yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Red spitters yeah, Red spitters yeah. 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 And I mean, that's what they, they literally look like an ugly olive drab red spitter, for lack of a better word. But yeah. it's cool. You know, I like him. He's my pet. You know, obviously, I don't yeah. you know, watch TV with him or anything, but. You don't carry him around Walmart with you in the basket? <laughs> oh, let's not go down that road, bro. <laughs> Wait, what's. Uh, um... What's Nagricolis? Nagricolis. That's the black neck. Black neck spitting cobra. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah, pairs yeah. were were nuts. <laughs> Those were so nuts. Like their cage was always just so nuts. Like, and I've cleaned a lot of cobra cages and uh, uh, just at, at at that zoo, right? Like, in fact, I used to say anybody who wants a cobra, and of course, like. I feel like Kuthia, you like the monocle cobras are like the ball python of the venomous of the venomous world, and hundred uh, <laughs> percent like like Kuthia and gaboons or uh, or gaboons gabon vipers, uh, like like and and uh, I was like anybody that thinks that's a good idea needs to come here and clean cages for for a week and and you realize you don't want a cobra <laughs> like that is a that is a that is a messy animal yep. you know they're all. <clears throat> artists and they are all yes. painters yes hands down <laughs> and like it's funny you bring up <laughs> it's funny you bring up kaboon vipers because you know i've 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 taught a lot of people venomous and everyone who starts off they're like oh man eventually when i get my license or when i'm ready i'm gonna i'm gonna get a gaboon and by the time they've done two three four years with me they're like why would i ever buy that animal <laughs> right <laughs> right know? yeah 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 yeah, man, I really like um, the uh, um, the habus, the Okinawa habus, the Flavaviridis. Yeah. Oh, dude, uh, Proto Bothrops, baby. Yes, dude. There were some of those at, at KRZ, and I was like, man, I love that. And then I'm, uh, I'm pretty Rupa sure had... Jim has the only ones left, right? 
Well, Dean had some. <clears throat> so I don't know if uh, I don't know what happened to Dean Rippa's, but he had some at his facility. Um, and uh, but they're they're I haven't seen them anywhere else. Um, those are awesome. And, Dude, they're, and who they're crazy. Love, yeah. And then who doesn't love a terrorist? Oh, of course. Yeah. It's funny, man. I my first thing with with the Okinawas was my mom taught private school, or she still does. She's a high school teacher at a private school, and one of the science guys who was a teacher at the school, he had a venomous license, and the only snakes he kept his he had a trio of Okinawan habus, and he had them in this big giant wooden flight cage thing in his living room, and uh, he would tell me he would say, "I will never open the cage unless I have two other handlers there with me." And I was like, why? You know, like, you know what you're doing. He says, no, no, no. The minute you open the cage, one goes up on top of the enclosure, like outside of it. The other one flies yeah. out on the floor and heads to the left. And the other one stays in the cage to fight. And he's uh, like that. You just you can't open the door unless that happens. And I was like, that is a species that I will work with one day because the intelligence there is just awesome. Yeah. And apparently they're they're super common in in their range. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. My understanding is like, I have that, that book, uh, problem snake management and it's based around the Okinawa habu and the brown tree snake. And it, it talks about managing those two species specifically. And, uh, and how, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it would, it'd be super cool to, uh, like, I wonder what, what kind of numbers you could, you could find, you know, if you went herping in Okinawa, I don't know. Well, I had a, I have a friend who's a Marine and he was stationed there and he said that he would, you know, when they were allowed to take leave for the weekend or whatever, all the guys would go to the bar. He would basically just walk around the barracks with a snake hook, just looking for habus. And he says on yes. the average night, you know, he'd find four or five, you know, around yeah. the barracks. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's super cool. I like, um, a spitalapse too. Lubricus, lubricus. Dude. Those animals are gorgeous until you yeah. work with them in volume. Oh, uh, yeah. And like uh, our good friend Cody, he produced a, a good handful of them. And they're gorgeous animals, man. And they were healthy and happy and they're awesome. And then I had to work with them uh, in a volume setting. And it got to the point where they're the most obstinate species of baby snake I've ever worked with. <laughs> they do not ride a hook. So uh, Henry and I right, actually yeah. got I got big giant hemostats and we dipped the tips of them in liquid rubber and I would literally just pick them up and move them because with the, with the hemostats because there's no way to use a hook. Like they're just such pains in the ass. But they're covered in baby uh, oil. They're literally covered in baby oil. But I will say <laughs> they're, they're a very rewarding elapid that doesn't get big and isn't super toxic. So, you know, they're, they're cool in that regard. But like after taking care of all those babies, <laughs> I definitely will not have lubricus ever again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we are at the two-hour mark. Phil, you you said you didn't have anything else. No, I mean we pretty much covered what I wanted to talk about. I'm sure I'll think of something later and I'll okay. harass Terry online. Cool. Uh, well, Terry, where can people get a hold of you if you want them to? Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, just Instagram, Terry Burwell on Instagram. Um, if you want to shoot me an email at burwell.terry at gmail.com, just, you know, those are my preferred method. Cool. Uh, I remember a question now. I remember a question. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. 
What's with the armadillo, bro? Oh, dude, I uh, I worked on a. Uh, so that's my that's my avatar on on Instagram. Um, I have always wanted to catch an armadillo, and uh, we I, I worked on an oil rig in South Texas, and uh, this this kid we were working at night, and this kid comes up with an he's holding an armadillo with a tail, and I'm like, no way, so where'd you get it? And he was like, it was right over there, just picked it up, and uh, <laughs> I found it. <laughs> I, dude, dude, I I I have spent. I spent like an entire week. Um, my buddy Taylor, when I lived in in Charleston, he came down and we went herping um, like South South Carolina. And yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, the, yeah, the snakes would they would like stop moving around midnight. You know, like we'd go out there before uh, uh, before dusk, like before nightfall, mm-hmm. and it'd be great. Uh, like an hour after nightfall, it was like <laughs> nothing. But there'd be a lot of possums and armadillos. And I was just like, it is my mission to catch an armadillo. And I've had my hands on them. I've jumped on them. But it's like, yeah, you talk about covered in baby oil. Like, I just can't grip them. Like, couldn't get them. And uh, so, but anyway, this kid, he walks across location. He's got this armadillo. And I was like, no way. And uh, so, yeah, we played with this armadillo for a little bit. And that's where that picture was taken. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. Apparently, there's people a book. eat them down south, like south of the border. They're they're a, often a meal. Well, I think that's crazy because like are you going to talk about the leprosy? Yeah, I'm not. Well, was, I'm not eating gonna, a damn armadillo, man. Sorry, I was going to bring that up. Is that we used to see armadillos by me all the time. Like when I was in high school, they were everywhere. And then that whole leprosy thing came about. And I felt like people would just kill them mercilessly. And now I never see them anymore. Yeah. When, when we decided we were going to catch them, we were like, well, wait a minute. We got to figure out this leprosy thing. And so I went to, I went to like Google Scholar. Like I wanted to figure out, you know, like <laughs> whether I, I wanted it. to see. Yeah. You know, and uh, <clears throat> I've read the Bible. Leprosy is no joke, you know. And uh, so, <laughs> so. So from what I understand, maybe some people have gotten some leprosy by eating undercooked armadillo. So it was like, okay, if you don't eat armadillo sushi, you should be good. You know, like if you just hold them, you should be fine. And like, it's off to the races, man. I'm not willing to find out. (laughs) When I was, man, when I was in like second grade, um, there was this book called Wild Animals as Pets. And it had all kinds of stuff, you know, and I loved it because it had snakes and turtles and lizards and stuff. But it had a picture in there of an armadillo eating, drinking honey off of a spoon. And I, I remember it vividly. And I was like, man, I just want to pet armadillo so bad. And uh, man, I, so that's what I want. OK, so the Christmas list for Terry, Emerald Tree Boas. What was the other one? Divergence and armadillo. I'm going to name him Squeaker or Digger. Either way, and that's hilariously adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's the story behind. um, I I even forget that that's my avatar, but yeah, armadillo is an avatar in Instagram. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's 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 fun. Definitely have to to do it again at some point. Oh yeah. Hey, they win. There's. 
there's cool. plenty of other stuff I'm sure we could dive into. You know, so yeah, um, yeah. Let me know how the cyanide do too. Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, I'll I'll definitely have to send some your way. Man, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely uh, keep us posted on those signing on eggs too. Uh, I I will. Yeah, I mean, I will shout it from the rooftops uh, <laughs> whenever, whenever I get more for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Super pumped. We appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care. Later. Thanks so much, man. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Alrighty, this was episode 106. Is that 106? Is that what I said at the beginning? I believe so, yes. I think it was. Uh, the show was brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics and Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauce. The perfect stocking stuffer. It is. But if you're listening to this now and you want to get it as a stocking stuffer, it's probably a little late because it's the 17th of December. And the Postal Service it is an absolute madhouse right now. I can tell you that Atrocious. because when I, I had to ship out Snakes and Stogie samplers and stood in line at the post office for an hour, watched the lone man working the counter at the post office fight with, like, two people. And Jeez. it's, yeah, it's chaos, man. So. Well, I called uh, Eco Universe yesterday because, uh, like, two months ago, they put up on the website that they were going to have uh, Justin Julander's new Knobtail book out. Uh-huh. So I bought it. And, you know, I figured it takes a week or so for them to get everything in order. You know, they I have thought a ton those of people were pre-orders. Stuff. Well, there wasn't pre-order on the website. It was just buy now. So I bought oh. it. And then like a week after I bought it, Justin posts a thing saying, hey, the books are, you know, a little delayed. They're going to go out at the beginning of December, blah, 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 blah. So I said, all right, you know what? I'll leave it alone. And, you know, when it happens, it happens. So I called Eco Universe yesterday and said, hey, you know, I just, it's been like two months. I wanted to know if, you know, you got the books yet. And she was, the lady on the phone was super polite, but you could just tell that I was like the millionth guy to call and ask for that freaking book. (laughs) She's like, she's like, like, yes, we're trying to get them all out before Christmas. I'm so sorry. I was like, listen, I'm I'm not that guy. Like, I'm super relaxed. I just just want to make sure that, you know, you still exist, and you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but I'm excited. My book's coming probably next week. So you'll get your damn book when it's in your mailbox. Right, yeah. There's your answer. So, right? Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, we will see everybody Monday night, 9 o'clock yeah. Eastern, Snakes and Stogies, episode 57, I think, this week is the, is the upcoming 57. one. 57, yes, sir. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it was a good show, man. It was. Terry's awesome. It was. I'm very glad. It's. I don't know why it took us so long to get him on here because I I do talk to him fairly regularly. And uh, yep. It's and it, it's pretty cool, man. Because like I know I've listened to that one NPR episode where he talks about the diamonds in the garage. Mm-hmm. I know I've listened to that at least two or three times. So like <laughs> it's super cool to have like a one on one with him. You know. Yeah, definitely. All right, buddy. We'll see you Monday. Talk to you in a few hours. We'll see everybody Monday, 9 p.m., Palmetto Coast Exotics YouTube channel, the Herpeticulture Network Facebook page, and the Palmetto Coast Exotics uh, Facebook page. And join the Snakes and Stogies group. Some cool stuff, some cool dudes, you know. Oh, yeah. It's a nice little crowd we got going, man. I, I really like it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's turned out great. It's it's 
amazing to watch it blossom the way that it is. Like the flower just keeps getting bigger and brighter, you know? Yep. And I think it's, it, it's really cool because there's a lot of live shows out there, but I feel like our show, the show and tell aspect of it is way more interactive and way more community than most. And mm-hmm. it makes me super proud, super proud. Agreed. All right, buddy. See y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye.